Well, what a joy it is to be able to proclaim the greatness of God together, isn't it? That's a, a joy. Thank you, Randy, for leading us today as uh, John Bell is in Poland. And uh, grateful. Randy's done this once or twice before, you can tell. Glad to have you with us. Well, uh, this series is called Unstuck, and we're learning how Jesus sets us free from common struggles such as fear and worry, guilt, jealousy. And this morning, is the focus is on anger. Uh, I, I was uh, waiting one time to pay my bill at a restaurant, and there was a family in front of me, had a boy about four years old, and uh, uh, at, at the counter there were a few balloons, and the balloons were blue and yellow. And the cashier told the boy he could have one, and he said, well, I want a red one. And she said, well, we only have blue or yellow. And he said, I want a red one. And the parents tried to reason with him. He insisted loudly. And he seemed to know more about being a kid than they did about how to be parents. But <laughs> of all the choices they made, they, the, the, the father took a blue one for him. And the mom tried to get him to thank the cashier. And he refused. And he screamed all the way out of the door. And that little blue balloon was bobbing along behind them on the way. Scenes like that are played out in our lives all the time. Maybe not with balloons, but with all kinds of other things. Because listen to this, one of the primary causes of anger is that you did not get what you wanted. <laughs> you wanted an apology, and he didn't apologize. You wanted the day off, and they said no. You wanted that parking space, and she pulled in ahead of you. You wanted them to admit that you were right and they didn't agree. You wanted a compliment, and he gave you criticism. You wanted to win, and you lost. You wanted respect, and she disrespected you. You wanted to be heard, and you were ignored. So much of our anger is wrapped up in not getting what we want, and because we will never get everything we want, anger is unavoidable. Now, not all anger is wrong, but today our focus is on that bad kind of anger, and the Bible talks a lot about it. Uh, we're going to focus on this one passage and learn why anger traps us and how to get unstuck. The passage is Colossians 3.8. But now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Now all of us get angry. You might not be one of those people who gets red in the face and explodes. You might appear relaxed and easygoing, but... We just express our anger differently. You might be like a rhino. Uh, they're aggressive, and when attacked, they charge, and they lead with that deadly horn. Or you might be more like the porcupine, where they're passive, and when attacked, they withdraw and curl up into a ball with the quills out. But both approaches can signal an anger problem we need to pay attention to. Uh, I was driving with a friend years ago and noticed a piece of black electrical tape over their dashboard, and I said, well, what's that? And my friend said, well, the check engine light keeps coming on, and it's annoying, so I covered it up. <laughs> Anger is like a warning light in your car. It tells you that something's not working the way it's supposed to. And when you find yourself disproportionately annoyed at the simplest, most insignificant things, that's a sign of a deeper issue. As my friend Brian Wilkerson says, sinful anger is a misdirected display of passion. Now, for example, my reputation is important to me. But if somebody slights my reputation and I get 10 times angrier about that than I do about horrible injustice that's happening to somebody else, that's a warning light of a deeper problem. It means I love myself too much. 
and I'm looking for significance in the approval of others or in my status. Over-the-top anger is a sign I'm not getting something I want. Now, on the surface, this scripture doesn't seem all that helpful. It seems to say simply, stop getting angry. And if it were that simple, you could say, well, John, I have an anger problem. I could say, well, cut it out. Problem solved. (laughs) But there's more to it than that. And we're going to look into the reasons why we get stuck in anger and how to get free. So let me define the five words for anger used in this verse. Now, there's overlap between all five of these terms, but there's also some distinction. I want to set that out for you. Uh, The word, the first word, anger or gain, uh, it's settled feelings of indignation. It's when your emotions are all stirred up, even if it doesn't show on the outside, there's something boiling on the inside. Now, we have two beautiful ovens over in the kitchen at Rocky Hollow, and uh, shortly after they were installed, we had to put up a sign that said, stove stays hot after it's turned off. Because it doesn't look hot, but you touch it and you get burned. And that's, all, that's this word anger here. It doesn't show on the outside, but it's boiling on the inside. The second word, rage. Fumon is the Greek word. where You, you get that, the sense of, of thermal energy there. It's about heat. This is sudden outbursts. You're volatile and anything might set you off. You explode letting out that anger that you feel. Malice is about having a nasty disposition. No matter which side of the bed you get out of, it's the wrong one. It's viciousness a bit that's expressed with a look or an attitude or an action. Now, uh, now, uh, most mornings I bring my wife coffee, first thing, cup of coffee. And, uh, and I learned early, we've been married over 40 years, and I, I, when I get up, whether it's 4 a.m., 5 a.m., I'm up, I'm loud. And I learned she doesn't like loud in the morning, so I have to tone it down. I bring in that coffee. We don't usually say anything. I don't make much noise. But on Monday this week, I brought her a coffee. I left the room. A few minutes later, she comes out and she says, okay, what's wrong? <laughs> there was a look that said I had a little malice in there somewhere along the way. I hate it that they're so intuitive, these women. So, uh, <laughs> slander, blasphemia. This is insulting talk. Um, it's saying nasty things to people or about people, calling into question their reputation, their motives. Now, I try, my practice is try to never say something about someone I wouldn't say to them. Now, I might say it a little differently, uh, but uh, it's, it's try, try, and I fail in that. But that's, uh, that's slander. Filthy language uh, is not about dirty words or obscenities, but about verbal abuse. It's language you use to threaten or demean or dominate other people. One scholar calls it foul-mouthed abuse. So these five terms cover all uh, kinds of different anger. And the Bible says, rid yourselves of these attitudes, these speech patterns. And this verse describes this anger well, but it also tells us how to deal with it. Now, we're going to see that in a moment. First, I want to, want to just have you think through a couple of expressions of anger. The, the first is bottling up past hurts. That you didn't get what you wanted. And on the outside, you might seem to handle it okay. But on the inside, you're boiling mad. You're seething. You might be proud of yourself for keeping it together because you really want to explode. So you hold it in and anger simmers beneath the surface. The technical term for this is internalization. Proverbs 14.30 says that that kind of internalized passion rots the bones. We don't want their bones rotted. And while that may avoid immediate damage to those who are around you, continuing to internalize anger is spiritually and physically unhealthy. When you're upset and you 
nurture these feelings, your anger deteriorates into resentment and bitterness. And often it's because of how somebody hurt you in the past and you can't get over that wrong that was done. You say, well, he took that from me. She betrayed me. They made life miserable for me. I was treated unfairly. I was victimized. I was wronged. And if right now you can think of somebody that you don't want to let off the hook, somebody you wish the worst, someone whose past behavior dominates your thoughts, you have unresolved anger. Uh, I've had people admit that they have unresolved anger and then defend it by saying, you don't know what they did to me. If you knew, you'd realize how I feel this way. And, and, I, and I, if they tell me, I can usually agree that what happened to them was pretty bad, was horrific. But by bottling up anger, you're choosing to relive the pain and you're holding on to the wrong that was done to you. And so the anger simply festers, decays, turns to bitterness, and eventually it expresses itself somewhere else. The second expression of anger is blowing up over present problems. The technical term for this is ventilation. And it's when my anger eventually explodes on somebody else. There was an incident at a Red Lobster in St. Louis a few years ago. Uh, several women didn't get what they ordered, and they physically assaulted the server over it. Now, the funny part of this, not funny, but the, interesting, they ate the food, they even paid for the food, but they were so unhappy that they attacked their server before they left the building. This was not about Cheddar Bay biscuits and co coconut shrimp. It was not. A, a wrong order is not the real cause of this explosion. When we blow up, it's usually because of unresolved anger from the past that may have nothing to do with who or what you're mad at now. And so when traffic jams or long checkout lines or, or a call about your extended warranty on your car causes rage to boil up, that's a bad sign. And Proverbs describes this blow-up reaction with words like hot-headed, reckless, quick-tempered, quarrelsome. And this blow-up is, is when you're furious and you let it fly and you don't care who hears it. Uh, like the pl plane incidents abound, don't they? And there's one this past week where a man blew up because a baby was crying through the flight and he made a whole lot bigger deal out of it than that baby ever did. There's something going on there. Uh, when the anger on the inside spills out and shows in your face, in your words, by your actions. And by the way, you may have been advised uh, to that, that blowing up is a good method of releasing anger, that it's like a pressure valve, and so beat on a pillow or something. But that's not biblical. In fact, it's the opposite. Uh, Proverbs 29, 11, a fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. According to psychotherapist Richard Winter, research shows that venting anger by shouting or hitting a pillow doesn't diffuse, but actually inflames anger. And so blowing up is not usually the right way to deal with it, and neither is bottling up. Both of these are kind of sinful reactions. So what should you do? That's the question. How do you rid yourself of anger? And that legitimate question comes right from Colossians 3.8, uh, which tells us this. Uh, this is a command. You must rid yourselves. Now let me tell you, God never requires something without the power to do it. And the answer is in this passage, and of course, many others. But uh, Now, we've already gone through the five terms for anger listed here. And the question is, well, how do you rid yourself of it? That word rid, the Greek word, is apotithemi. And it means to cast aside, put down something that's in the way. Um, it explain, now, when we look at how the New Testament uses this word, 
It, it explains how to get rid of anger. For example, Hebrews 12.1 describes a long-distance runner who slowed down with extra clothes or baggage. And the runner's encouraged to apatithemy, to take off what's weighing them down, holding them back and cast it aside. That same expression is used in Acts 7.58 of men who are about to do something strenuous. And they apotithomate their coats. They take them off and lay them down. And so when Colossians 3.8 says, rid yourselves of anger, it's cluing you in on how to do that. There are two parts of getting rid of your anger. The first part is this, identify who you're angry with and what they owe you. Uh, if you have unresolved anger and you don't identify who you are really mad at, you're going to lash out at others who did nothing wrong. Even when your anger is legitimate and you have reason to be hurt, if you don't identify the real problem, there's going to be collateral damage. And after you identify who, then you need to get specific about what they owe you. And I hope you'll understand why in a second. Because you got to ask, well, what exactly did they take? What would they need to give you to make things right? An apology? Uh, your reputation returned, some money, the best years of your life? What is it that they owe you? You might say, well, there's nothing that, that, that would make things right. But you must get specific about what they owe you, what they did to you or didn't do for you. Identify who it is that you need to forgive and what you need to forgive them for. Why? Because until you identify what's weighing you down, you can't deal with it. Simply identifying something can by itself begin to remove some of the power that anger has over your life. It's the unseen, unspoken secretness of anger that keeps it alive. Exposing the anger that's lurking below the surface or exploding outwardly is important. And so whether you are right or wrong to be anger, angry, um, you need to admit that you are and identify why. That's the first part. The, the second part is to release by deciding they don't owe you anymore. Identifying isn't enough. You must let it go. Cast it aside. That means once you identify what somebody owes you, you must cancel that debt. Whether your list of, of wrongs is, is one person and one wrong, or it's a hundred people and a thousand wrongs, cancel it. To get rid of anger, you must decide they don't owe you anymore. Give me, let me give you a personal example. Uh, early in my ministry, a nice young couple met with me. They had some, some critical negative things to say about me, uh, particularly the wife had things to share. And, and, and I thought I took it pretty well. Uh, so, a lot of it hurt. Some of it was actually helpful. I learned. And we resume, resumed a, a friendly relationship. Now, within a few years, both of us moved. They went to the east coast of Canada. Amy and I moved to the Midwest of the U.S. We're over 1,500 miles apart. But something odd started to happen. For some reason, every Sunday morning, when I started to write the check for the offering at the church, uh, that woman's face and name came to my mind. And it gave me a sinking feeling. Every single Sunday morning, just a few seconds, I'd forget all about it uh, until the next Sunday. <laughs> and then I'd get, prepare our offering, and boom, there she'd be again. This went on for years. Writing that check for worship somehow triggered something I wasn't aware of. It, it, it was connected to that encounter, and I did not have a clue as to how. So I ignored it. And finally, after having this woman's name and face come into my mind every Sunday morning for almost 20 years, I prayed, Lord, I don't know what's going on. 
But if I'm holding on to hurt, I want to get it out of my life. If I feel she owed me an apology, I let it go. Forgive me for failing to admit and cancel this debt. Well, that was 10 years ago. I identified and released. I can't remember her name. Don't remember what she looked like anymore. And I'm sorry I brought it up this morning. But anyway, <laughs> it's not bothering me anymore. Now, does that mean all bad memories are erased and no negative feelings will ever return? No. But when that crosses your mind again, know that the decision remains and the debt is canceled through Christ. You see, canceling the debt you feel others owe you is the path to resolving anger. That's why Ephesians 4.32 connects getting rid of anger with forgiving others. I read an interesting scientific study on animal behavior, and scientists observed many different species of animals who actually try to make peace after they've had conflict with another animal. Uh, and this study included mountain gorillas and chimps and bonobos and goats and even hyenas often follow a confrontation with friendly behavior like trying to embrace or kiss another animal. The only species that has so far failed to show outward signs of reconciliation are domestic cats. <laughs> Don't be a cat. Forgive. Until you release and cancel the debt, you're allowing other people to control you, even people who aren't in your life anymore. Now, what will help when you're going about trying to release, what's going to help is admitting that part of the problem was that you didn't get what you wanted. Your ego was bruised. Your cravings weren't satisfied. You wanted approval or attention or love and didn't get it. You wanted somebody to say thanks or I'm sorry, or you're right, and you didn't get it. And when you can identify some of your own selfish reasons for your anger, then you're better able to cancel that debt. Releasing others from a debt they don't even know they owe you is going to set you free. Now that practical advice on getting rid of anger is not going to work unless one thing is true. You see, Colossians was not written to everyone. It's only true for those who belong to Jesus. The command to rid yourselves of anger and the power to do it only applies to those that Paul describes earlier. Colossians 2.13, when you were dead in your sins, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all our sins. The condition of every person in this world is that we are dead in sin. We are born enemies of God. And only one thing changes that. God sent his son Jesus to pay the price for our sin, to bring us into the family of God. His sacrificial death on the cross is God's gift to us. And when you receive that gift, you are made alive. You are forgiven. The day you first believed is the day you stepped out of the tomb and new life began. The day you believed, you shared in the resurrection of Jesus. You don't have to wait for someday to enjoy resurrection life. You live in it now in Christ. You're a new creation now. You're a child of the king now. And the difference is not, not that you didn't go to church and now you do. The change isn't that you were nasty and now you're nice. It's not that you had a foul mouth and now you control your tongue. The difference is this. You were dead and now you're alive. Before Christ, you were lost. You were chained up. You were without hope. You're dead in sin. In Christ, you are free, forgiven, filled with hope, and made alive. So only one who has been made alive in Christ can deal with anger by canceling the debt others owe you. Through Jesus, you have the power to identify and to release, to no longer be stuck in anger. 
If you belong to Christ and you're not getting rid of anger, it's because you've forgotten all that God has done for you on the cross. God poured out all his judgment for sin upon his own son, his perfect son at Calvary. The sacrifice of Jesus brought healing and life when you believed and the power to forgive as you have been forgiven by God himself. So evaluate life by what was done for you on the cross instead of what was done to you by others. Myra Johnson said that when her mother died, she felt more relief than sorrow. Myra grew up desperately trying to earn her mother's approval and she never ever got it. And the more Myra worked to get praise for her grades, her awards, her competitions, the more indifferent her mother became. And when Myra met the man she would marry, her mother resented him, and she threatened not to attend the wedding. When Myra had kids, her mom showed zero interest in her granddaughters. And finally, her mother died of heart failure, bitter and lonely. After the funeral, Myra packed away her mother's last professional photograph, which she said perfectly captured the condescending frown her mother always had. Ten years later, Myra was in a Bible study, and suddenly she got convicted about the anger she felt toward her mother all these years. Myra confessed her own lack of compassion, and for really the first time she considered the factors that had shaped her mother's life so Myra climbed up into the attic and retrieved her mother's portrait and set it on her desk. And there she confessed her failure to honor her mother. And then she forgave her mother as well. And Myra said this, An incredible peace filled me as God enabled me to do what I couldn't do on my own. And that is remember my mother with love. And suddenly I saw her as God created her to be and was able to forgive and in a small way forget the hurtful things that had passed between us. In forgiving and honoring her, I'm breaking the chains of bitterness in my life. You see, the only way you can cancel the debt you feel others owe you is by appreciating how God has canceled the debt you owe him. And right now I want to give you an opportunity to do that. Let's close this time with some honest reflection and take it a moment of silence to identify anyone you might be angry with and what they owe you and then release it by canceling the debt because of Jesus. If you haven't entered into a new life in Christ, that's your greatest need. And you can do that today. I'd be happy to share with you. Pastor Terry would be happy to share with you how to put your trust in Jesus. If your faith is in Christ, Use this time to confess any bitterness, any anger you feel toward others. Do this through the power of the Savior who forgave all your sin. Let me give you just a few seconds to speak to God silently now. I invite you to stand with me now as you're able. And if you are willing, 
join me in reading aloud this prayer of confession and may this speak to whatever God has placed on your heart today. Let's read aloud. Heavenly Father, forgive our sins, the sins of the past week and the sins of today, the sins we committed openly and the sins we hope remain hidden from others, the sins by which we sought to please and the sins by which we sought to wound the sins which are the result of ignorance and the sins which come from knowledge. Show us your way, Lord, and guide us in it. Give us your strength and teach us to use it. We ask this through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.